1: Dave, welcome back to The Boiling Point. Yes, we're back and we're very excited about our
2: next guest. I, I'm incredibly excited because uh, two reasons, well, actually multitude of reasons. But one, you just saw the uh, our, our special guest in St. John at Harbor Station uh, do a live presentation. I did. And I just finished, and uh, actually Commander Hatfield's on the phone right now with us, so he's gonna he's going to get a chuckle out of this. I just finished listening to his book. Uh, I I just think it's so funny we're living in a day where I hardly ever read anymore the book was phenomenal um, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth and uh, we have Commander Hatfield on the phone with us right now Commander Hatfield how are you sir?
3: Gentlemen nice to be talking with you and I hope you liked uh, the way that I read that book it took me about four days in studio to read it out loud so I'm glad you had a chance to listen I
2: I wanted to ask you that because I'm a big consumer of audiobooks and uh, it's a it just blows my mind how the readers can keep their energy up, you know? And, uh, I was wondering how long it took you to read that.
3: Yeah. It took me four days. And and then I had sort of a half a day of edits because you ask about keeping energy up partway through this, the talking every day, my, um, I get a little hungry, then we have a bite to eat, and then my stomach would rumble, and it would keep pausing the recording to wait for my stomach to stop making rumbling noises. And we actually had to go back and edit that out a couple of times. So I was wondering if maybe you heard uh, heard my stomach.
2: <laughs> well, it was uh, it, it was an honor to hear the grumbling, uh, one way or the other. No, Commander Hatfield. We uh, uh, well, first of all, uh, maybe Dave, can you do a little bit of an introduction after meeting Commander Hatfield at Harbor Station, of, uh, and after you actually. Reading his book analog yes, wise, yes, and then we'll jump right into it.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, no, you know what was great was I had a chance to bring my eight-year-old son, uh, Commander Hatfield, to to your presentation, and uh, this is after having read your book, and it was it was fabulous to to actually get to see you and and actually as an adult, um, you know, appreciate the message. But you know, what was even better for me was at the Q and A section at the end. I, I turned to my son and I said, you know, buddy, do you want to leave? You know, because it was probably nine o'clock at that point. And he said, no way, we got to stick around. Um, so your, your message... That's, really... that's, a,
3: that's a huge compliment. That's just just lovely to hear. Thanks.
1: Well, and, you, and I wanted to share that with you because, you know, it, it the, really, the message resonated with the whole audience. and I And, and what I'm curious about as we hear the, the sirens behind you, which we can edit out, by the way. Um, I, I, what, what caused you to write the book and, and the speaking tour? And, like, what, 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 was the, what, what got this all rolling for you?
3: Well, there, there are so few Canadian astronauts. And I served with the Canadian Space Agency for um, 21 years. And throughout that time, I, I spoke at, gosh, I don't even know what the number is, probably a 1,000 Canadian schools and and the the necessity of that the um the responsibility of doing that and and more importantly i think the impact or the effect of that to me constantly fed back how important it was and and there's no reason to stop um even though i'm not flying in space anymore if anything in fact now maybe the messages are clearer to me the 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 bottom line out of it and so i uh i I really enjoy the chance to uh, meet people directly, if I can, to talk to schools, uh, to have a public lecture like the one that I gave, or to try and write down all the lessons and uh, and put them in a book.
1: And maybe if you could, for people that haven't had a chance to read it yet or listen to it yet, um, and I know you've got two books, by the way. But um, what what is what what is the overall message?
3: Well, it, there's a whole. It took a whole book to describe it, but um, I think. The the title of the first book was very deliberate, which was An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. What we do in space may be interesting, but it doesn't really matter except for what comes back to the planet and what what might be personally or publicly beneficial from it. So uh, the the core content of my talks at schools and of the book is what is useful out of this experience? What is... um, Uh, interesting what is uh, a practical idea what um, uh, what do you do for example when you're facing fear Uh Uh, is there a a difference between fear and danger how do you ride a rocket ship how do you get ready to do something as inherently dangerous and high-stakes as as doing a spacewalk Um, how do you prepare yourself how do you devote a whole section of your life to something that may never happen and yet still maintain optimism and then when you've had a magnificent experience, how do you fold that back into your life so that, one, you're not an irritant to everybody else, but two, so that you can still um, value the other things that you do? And the book is an exploration of all those things, sort of the exaggerated life that an astronaut has, and, uh, and then how that all comes back to, uh, to being useful here on the surface of the Earth.
1: <laughs> and not, no easy task.
3: <laughs> no, no, and that's not easy.
1: No, and, and, and what, what was really, um, well, and actually what I'd like to do if we could, to drill down a little bit on some stuff that Greg and I, and we're both entrepreneurs, uh, Greg's a filmmaker, um, our connection, I guess, to you would be Andrew Tidby is, is one of Greg's best friends, and um, so we were fascinated by that whole collaboration that he had with you. Um, but I, I, you know, if it's okay with you, I'd like to drill down on some of the things we learned, um, and, uh, you know, from your message. Is that okay?
3: Yeah, I'd be happy to. Sure.
1: Um, well, and so I, if I could, I'd like to start and, and, um, with this, you, 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 there's a, you talk about on the pre-launch part, you know, and it was this about have an attitude and, you know, what that means as an astronaut. And could you, could you, cause I mean, that's such a important lesson for, entrepreneurs at least that's I mean and I kind of thought about my own journey right and I and it really resonated with me can you tell the listeners a little bit about that
3: well it, it starts of course with with a fundamental idea it's a little bit of a play on words uh, when we fly a spaceship and the, the way that it's pointed in space whether it's pointed towards the earth or towards the Sun or whatever' uh, it's, it's its orientation we, we call that your attitude you know like the attitude of an airplane and and of course, if you haven't really carefully, deliberately controlled which way your spaceship is pointed, then nothing else is going to work. Um, you know, you have to uh, you have, to have uh, thought about which way your engines are going to thrust or how you're going to soak up solar power or talk to the world. So you need to have an attitude in order to properly control your spaceship. And when I was putting together the book, it occurred to me that's not a bad metaphor yeah. for life. If you're if you trying to accomplish something, if you have a set of goals, if you have a, a specific dream, if you have a short-term objective, you know, what do I want to get done today or uh, what I want to get done in life or what I, where I want to be in 10 years, you need to set basically the uh, the direction and the attitude, if you will, of the path that will take you that way. and And you have to establish that fundamental orientation so that you know what to do next. So, so you know, what effort to put in, you you have to have set that basic direction to what you're doing in order to make your efforts have any impact. And I think most people don't take the time to do that first fundamental step of of really defining for themselves what success would look like. They, They, you know, they sort of say visualize success, but to specifically identify if everything goes perfectly, what will I be doing by the end of today or by the end of this year? And then use that sort of as the orientation of what you're doing to decide what to do next. Now, it's a subtle thing, but wow. I think it's a really powerful and important yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, 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 man, I don't. I mean, I don't. I think it's more powerful than subtle personally. And, and you act. You you actually in the presentation you said uh, you you actually posed the question, and I mean it caused me to sit back and think about. Uh, and I'm, by the way, I have a. A company called Vision Coaching, so it's all about you know looking at the future. But it, but you posed it in such a way that I thought, you know what, I haven't clarified that for myself. And you said, um, so where where do you want to be, each of you, in 15 years? I think was a time frame you gave us that day. And I, I thought I haven't really clearly defined that. So it, it wasn't I, very I think
3: it's really like it's like a gift to yourself. You, you know, you do you actually take give yourself an hour at some point and and really look at what your own personal indicators are of of what appeals to you, of what is in your heart, what is your, what is your fundamental nature, what would make you feel like you were crossing the, the finish line with the tape breaking across your chest? You know, what, what would be your personal measure of, of things going perfectly, and, and set some specific time in the future, and, and make sure that it's something that, that fundamentally excites you, or, or that, that is really at the core of what you value. Not just like, you know, by the end of the year, I want to increase sales by 10%. That's good, but it's not necessarily in your heart. And then stick that up on the wall and and let it help you choose what to do this weekend or or, or what what course to take in your spare time or what book to read or, you know, what food to eat because it may, may be a physical thing you're targeting towards. But the, the flip side of that is maybe even more important, and that is, don't make that long-term goal your only um, measure of success. Mm-hmm. Never say to yourself that if I don't, you know, by the end of today, do a thousand push-ups, or by the end of the month, uh, finish reading um, *War and Peace*. Don't don't make that the only time you allow yourself to succeed. Instead, if you say your objective for the day is to a thousand push-ups, every time you've done fifteen push-ups. Celebrate it. Uh-huh. If you're reading War and Peace, when you get through one chapter and you have underlined stuff and you understand it, man, take yourself out for a, for a coffee and celebrate the fact that I just learned some stuff. I just changed myself subtly. I just um, improved who I am, increased my own personal capability in a way I've never done before. Uh, give yourself the gift of success and celebration of it on, on as frequent a basis as you possibly can while you are pursuing a distant drink.
2: Commander Hafield, I'm I'm laughing right now because <laughs> Dave, uh, not only being the co host of, of my sh- of the show here, he was also my executive coach. And so many times through the through my career of building my company Hemmings House, David like did you celebrate that win did you celebrate that win I was like no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna celebrate it Dave until I get to the bigger goal now the, the and, issue, and you know, now now you think it's real because uh, Chris Hadfield told you right well, now I, read, I I listened to Chris hadfield's book and I get and uh, you know I, I've got a few things to say uh, one of them is in your book you made that very clear that uh, um, to live a satisfied life is not to consider. Um, not reaching a goal as a failure. It's about getting up and continuing on. Now, there's a really interesting uh, uh, message as well that you're giving in the book, which is you must sweat the small stuff. But I also want to look at not sweating the small stuff in uh, the context of large vision. And when we're looking at our lives and our career goals um, or our impact on the world, right, um, in that context, it's probably good not to sweat the small stuff. My example is uh, when, I, when I read a lot about you know, um, the attitudes of astronauts, the humility, the ability to get through challenging uh, uh, situations without losing their cool, because really the mission is far larger than those, those smaller bits. But on the flip side, like you said, you got to figure out what the next thing's going to kill you. So there's two things here that are really interesting that I'd love to get your your perspective on.
3: Okay, um, yeah, I think often people we uh, re- get the mantra or the idea out of context. I uh, know I'm I'm guilty of that also. Um, imagine if you tried to sweat all the small stuff for everybody in the world you would go mad you would drive yourself crazy and i see so many people doing it they get they get angry like uh, uh, i don't know someone in atlantic canada will get infuriously angry over something that the governor of california is doing and i'm like <laughs> you know unless unless you are actually on the governor's staff or you're you're going there to to do something about it why are you worrying about that what you know how how can you have an influence on that? Why are you letting that be the thing that's upsetting you? Why not instead sweat the small stuff that is important to you? Look, look at your particular set of objectives, and then you are absolutely served and, and responsible for sweating the small stuff within your own sphere of desire. That to me is the big difference. Recognizing, um, we 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 phrase it a different way in a spaceship. We say, "What's the next thing that's going to kill me?"
1: Mm-hmm
3: and we actually say those words out loud regularly it sounds kind of defeatist but what it does is is it helps you focus on what is not just what you have to pay attention to but more importantly what you need to ignore and and in a cockpit you can say quietly when there's a when there's a moment when nobody's doing anything you say okay everybody what's the next thing that's going to kill us and it snaps everybody's attention to the reality of what's happening it makes you then focus And sweat the small stuff that's coming that is really the determinant uh, of your life. And, and most importantly, it gives you a real clear idea of what you need to ignore, what you can afford to pay no attention to. Something that happened already or something that's 30 seconds away, they don't matter. What, what matters is, uh, the determinant, determination of what's coming right now. And so, uh, so in sweating the small stuff, uh, that's what keeps an astronaut alive. Knowing what to ignore is the corollary for that, and that also is what keeps us alive. And I think it applies outside the cockpit also. Don't uh, fret about the stuff that is peripheral to your life, but really, truly become experts and, and have a perpetual hunger of necessity for competence in the uh-huh. things that are the core of what you do.
2: Mm-hmm. And on, on the uh, on the other side, uh, you know, the thing that really. Uh, open my eyes, uh, like I just said a few minutes ago, is the humility of of astronauts. And speaking with our mutual friend Andrew Tidby, uh, his biggest takeaway from uh, hanging out with you guys on that National Film Board project was realizing that the astronaut way is truly... a way of humility and understanding. Now, that kind of flows a little bit into your concept of aiming for zero, which I think is an amazing concept. Uh, in, in Commander Hatfield's book, he, he talks about uh, there's three types of people, negative ones, plus ones, and zeros. And uh, you mentioned it in the book to aim for zero. Wouldn't mind uh, hearing a little bit more about that because it, it does speak about the attitude of uh, the the ast- uh, you know the astronaut way uh, and humility and what you bring to the table.
3: Sure, I, something I learned, of course, a long time ago is none of us got here by ourselves, and all of us, whether we think we're we're alone or not, we rely. Uh, with our lives and with our successes on so many people that that we're, you might not even meet. You know, just think about it. None of us gave birth to ourselves. None of us reared ourselves from birth. And the infrastructure that supports us is enormous, keeping the lights on and and providing the financial stability and, and all the other things that are around. You, you constantly count on all those things like people holding doors open for you, whether you recognize it or not. Even if you think you're the most iconoclastic individual in the world uh, you belong to some sort of society where there countless thousands are toiling invisibly on your behalf and it's important to recognize that and it's really focused for an astronaut we don't build our own rockets we count on our lives with uh, two people that we're never gonna meet that, that had to tighten up the screws and do the engineering design and fill up the tanks and make something really difficult happen and but when you're the person sitting on top you can sometimes start to think that um that you 're pretty important, <laughs> you know you get a distorted view of yourself uh-huh. and uh what's what 's critical is to recognize that if you get this this sort of blown up view of who you are and you walk into a room and and you go, "Well, none of you ride rockets, I do, therefore I know better what what 's going on here than everyone else, and immediately start swinging your bat around to to number one demonstrate to everybody who you are but also number two because you think you know better almost always you are going to do more damage than harm you think you're coming in and in the book as you say i called it a plus one minus one just a simple way to remember it you think you are a gift you think you are plus one and everybody else in the room is quietly looking around going wow is this guy ever a minus one could he please (laughs) stop breaking things and stop assuming that he knows what's going on there is always a, a history and a subtlety to a situation that you won't see initially. Now, if, 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 if the building's on fire, then then you need to react differently, right? You got to go with what you know and start reacting right now and yelling and getting people out of the building and such. But the building is hardly ever on fire. But a lot of people treat it like it always is. And uh, almost every circumstance, when you come into a new situation, there is time and it's really valuable time to try and come into it as a zero initially come in and look and learn what's going on. Be subtle, be uh, aware, listen to the little cues that are happening around, look for the, for the, the indications of why things are the way they are. And then once you're confident that you've got an idea of the interplay of the personalities and the, and the technology that's involved, then based on your expertise, start making suggestions of, of how things might be improved. And don't do it with the trumpet blaring, but just look at ways that your skills can actually improve what's happening and not just where you're trying to leave your mark like like a little dog running around on every single bush.
1: Right. Well, and have you found, like, what have you found, um, you know, since you've, you know, kind of, uh, I'm going to say, entered civilian life? And, you've, you know, I think you have a bit of a rock star status here and you're touring and you know, people like us want to talk to you, and 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 I'm sure that's happened all along. But I, I'm guessing that your your you're, um, pe more people know about you. I mean, I noticed you have over a million followers on Twitter. Like, how what keeps you grounded?
3: Well, having a million followers on Twitter is, you know, it's it's a big number, of course, and huh. and with actually comes to a sense of responsibility. I need to uh not be an idiot I, I need you know need to follow my own advice on the zero plus one minus one thing i need to think about the things i say don't just you know don't behave like like an adolescent um but at the same time uh, when i wake up in the morning if i had a million followers or twitter or didn't it really doesn't change what i have for breakfast or or how i how i conduct myself during the day or how i interact with the people that i meet um, all it really means is, is that I'm, I'm in the position of setting an example. So for me, it just, it just, it's a guideline of, of the type of behavior that I should follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and continue also, and, and this is a, a sort of a social media issue, but I think it's germane also, um, don't keep the beautiful events in my life to myself.
1: Yeah,
3: don't, good. don't hoard the the magnificence and wonder of being alive. You know, don't, don't uh, box it up and, and just keep it. Why not look for opportunities to share it with the people around you, at least with your spouse or with your kids or, or, or your friends or whomever. But social media is a new invention that, that is immensely powerful for the purpose of sharing the experience of being human. And, and it's not um, uh, a megaphone. It is an invitational two-way conversation, just like the the one the three of us are having. It's a conversation, a way to share ideas. Uh-huh. But for the first time in history, it, it's worldwide. You can have an interesting idea, you can uh, put it out there, and it obliges no one, but yet it invites everyone. And and to me, that's really powerful. And and so as someone who has a lot of folks uh, interested in what I've done so far, I also think about that. What is the interesting, challenging, funny, goofy, sad, um, inspiring stuff that's happened to me today? And and how can I share it with other people so that the richness of life is is spread as completely as possible?
1: Well said. I mean, that's a night nice, a really beautiful case for social media. You know, uh, it was funny because you, you mentioned that in your speech or in the talk at the Harbor Station. And uh, and I was watching. I was sitting in my home office, in uh, on the in the, Valley, and the snow was falling. And um, and we, we live. You know, we look out at a river, and these deer were walking across. And I took a picture, and I shared it because I was actually inspired by that. I thought, you know, that's a good point. This is beautiful. Why would I not share that? Um, so, um, can I, I, I'd love to ask a question for my son because he, he, I said, listen, there's a, a really good chance we'll be talking to Commander Hatfield. I wasn't, you know, entirely sure. I was always, you know, always worried something's going to fall off the wagon. So I didn't want to promise him too much, but, um, um, I, I asked him, um, you know, what's one question you want me to ask, uh, in the interview? And he said, he goes, um, what inspired, um, Commander Hatfield to do a video in space is exactly how he, uh, coined it.
3: Uh, Well, you might uh, ask the question back to your son uh, of if you were in space and you're working really, really, really hard, you know, there's a thousand things to do and you're running experiments and making the spaceship healthy and talking to scientists and engineers all around the world. um, What would you want to do uh, to share the experience with people? How, you know, how would you deliberately make sure that uh, that other people know what you're up to? How would you do it? You know, you could you could write a blog or you could take some pictures and send them or you could um, just keep it to yourself or maybe you could write a poem about it or write a song about it or, or whatever. And I tried really to do all those things when you're out there as the representative of so many people, you know, when you're in a very difficult to uh, to attain kind of position, a really dif- distant destination. Uh, it's a deliberate act to decide how to share it or how to include other people in it. Uh And um, I once sat on a train going uh, from Italy and we were coming up all the way up and around to Turkey, a long train ride. And there was a guy sitting there next to me and he didn't speak a word of English. And I, I, I only, you know, I have basically no words of Italian at all, but we had a guitar and he played some guitar and he would play a song Uh, That was important to him. That was, you know, funny or or sad, and then he would pass me the guitar, and I would play a song, and without one word of language in common, we told each other stories, and we brought tears to each other's eyes, and we made each other laugh uproariously. And the key, the thing that I learned from that—I was only 17 at the time, about to turn 18—was just how and how fundamental and prehistoric. Uh, lang- uh, music is as a form of communication. And, and I've always played music and it, it just seemed natural to me not only to play music on the space station, but to see if maybe I could help people understand what it's like to explore the rest of the universe, what it's like to have left the planet, what, what it's like to be a human being in this new place, not just through photographs and through words, but through music. And, and, uh, the, the human result, the, the, Gosh, just where uh, my son Evan and Andrew Tidby, who edited that uh, video, the Space Oddity video, just that one website we put it on, I think, has been seen 24 million times. And the video has been rebroadcast everywhere, hundreds of millions of times. And I think it's because uh it's not just it's a space station. It's not just we're weightless. It's not just science being done up uh off the planet. It is that the the. the uh, huge broad understanding of what it means as a human being when you express it artistically and and so that was why it, it, um, it's a long answer to your son's question no, it's but it, it's my core motivation all along how do I share this experience as fully as I can and uh, and for me um, a picture may be worth a thousand words but a beautifully wrought song is worth thousands of pictures
2: Oh, that, that is fantastic uh, and commander highfield I, feel, I I look at you as a phenomenal steward of human connection, uh, as well as most likely every other astronaut and cosmonaut that has had that experience to leave Earth. And just a really quick aside uh, for I, uh, you know, a story that I went through that I want to see if, if uh, how you relate to. I used to sail cargo in, in the Caribbean all by wind, and we we had this big boat and. Um, uh, and it was, you know, we just, we sailed stuff through South America and Caribbean, and it was lonely nights, uh, and i do my shift between midnight and 4 a.m., and on those dark, dark nights, um, I would look way off in the distance to see a cruise ship go by, and it was the most lovely experience to know that there's other humans that I'm actually seeing out in this vast, closest thing to space I could imagine on those moonless nights out at sea, and uh, it just felt so good, and I'm going to fast forward to when you were up at the space station... I ended up downloading the uh, the space station uh, tracking app. So I actually watched you multiple times. I watched you go over the Acomac Backland Road in St. John, New Brunswick so many times. And I showed my daughter, I was like, look, there goes Chris Hadfield and, the, and the, the rest of the team. That connection, me looking up at that star going by, saying there's humans there, it was such a cool connection f- for me. I, I want to flip that around and ask you what it's like uh, being up there, being departed, disconnected from Earth, but having that sense of warmth, knowing that humanity is right there outside the window of... Uh, uh, what, what was that? The, the cupola? Is that what it was called? The, the area? Uh, yeah, the
3: big the big bulging window, and, and I, every chance I get, and there's not much free time when you're operating a spaceship, but uh, every free moment I had, I would, I would... Uh, float over to that window and look at the world and it 's funny that you choose a cruise ship because they 're normally quite brightly lit, and when you come over one uh, in what would be the evening time on the earth, they stand out like a little uh, moving island of humanity in the darkness of the ocean, and so they 're very visible and and I would look down and and smile because i've been on a cruise ship i've played in a band on a cruise ship once <laughs> and and i I know what it 's like to uh to be in that little microcosm of society. And when I was on the cruise ship, it never once occurred to me that an astronaut in space would be flying over looking down and smiling at, at what I was doing. But uh, it changed my perspective a little to to have then seen it from space. The, the big uh, working tankers that are going around the world and the little cruise ships and the towns, you know, that are rocking on a Saturday night and you come flying over silently, uh, 1.3 million feet up and and you share the experience just through waving and smiling and knowing the link of of where you are and what's going on down there so it 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 i felt exactly the uh the the closing of, of the of the experience of people looking up and watching me go across as a star while i was uh looking down and uh and and seeing life that i knew on earth it, it's it's uh it's almost like um, a, a time distortion. like there's some sort of time travel, like you you've been able to look back in time and also look forward in time just because of the height of your vantage point. Hmm. And the, the last part of that is, any kid on Earth can walk outside and watch that same spaceship go over. At dawn and dusk, it's visible. And to me, it is a, a magnificent uh, laboratory. It's a great research vessel that is teaching us how to go out into the rest of the universe. But it's also uh, an undeniable bright symbol of uh, of what we can do together as a species, not just one country, but as a species. When we really apply ourselves and forget some of the day to day problems we run into, and it's a great shining example of something that we've done right. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, that's that's a, sorry, hey, gentlemen.
3: I'm a, I'm afraid that I I need to um, sign off. I. I uh, we only had a half hour, That's and, fine. and I have another obligation right now. My apologies.
2: We're, we're honored to have you, Commander Hatfield. Thank you so much.
3: Thanks, gents. Nice to talk to you both.
2: Take care. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Okay, that was phenomenal. Yes. <laughs> so, okay, the boiling point has now hit a new, um, a new level. We just spoke to somebody. Who lived in space? Yes, I mean you know every single one of our guests are, are stellar uh, part of uh, the 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 Cosmo reference. Yeah, um, everybody's got an amazing story. But how cool is that that we just talked to the commander of the International Space Station, the first Canadian commander, somebody who, like I mentioned, I used to watch using the ISS app fly over my house in Acomac multiple times a night. It was so interesting because. You, just, just think about that. Uh, how many kilometers around the Earth is, and you see him fl- floating by multiple times in a day. How fast that thing is going! Oh my god! And his perspective. Yeah. And it's almost heavenly in a way. And when you talk about that, that, that uh, perspective of how many millions of feet up, um, how you have the sense of uh, you know. Uh, History and forwardness as well. It's almost like the higher up you get, the more of a heavenly experience you have of understanding humanity. You know, (laughs) you know. What's some of your takeaways, Dave? Oh man, where do you start? I mean, you you know, he. um,
1: I'm always, you know, what's really, I'm always blown away by um, people that, you know, will have a point of view and willing to share the point of view. You know, like as he does, in terms of, you know, here is what I learned about being successful in life, and I want to share it with you. And you know, the principles and, and the approach and how he expresses it, I, from what I can tell and what I gathered in this call and, and watching him present, and you know, and I, you know, I don't, I can't claim to know, you know, Chris Hadfield, but I, you sense you do, and I, th- I believe that that the message and the messenger. Are totally aligned. That's my that's my my sense, and that is so important. And sometimes, that there's a beautiful message, and then you meet the messenger, like we have, and we go, oh, wait, there's there's there, there's there's a total disconnect. There's mm. there's incongruence here, and that doesn't mean the message isn't good. And a lot of people will say, well, that message isn't good because the messenger, um, you know, turns out to, to be yeah. whatever, right? And I and I always say, well, that's unfortunate. So. So what I found is my my sense of um uh I I, I, I I'm not going to say optimism but um my expectations I just don't, I don't I don't ever raise them too high for the messenger right um, and, you know, I've had a chance to interview some really cool authors and stuff. But when you see, so, so just listening to him and the time he gave us, and, and geez, we should have known that we only had 30 minutes. I mean, I guess that's our bad. Um, but he gave us a few extra minutes. And he has a lot of obligations, but he spent the time and he's very passionate about it. And I it just, I have a sense that he actually walks the talk. So I, that, that yeah. I, mean, I know that's a long way of saying it, but it's just nice. And, you know, those are the people that really, I mean, for me, uh, I revere um, and they, and they don't need to be have a million followers. I mean, it could be um, the person. You know, I mean, I, my grandfather was like that. You know what I mean? And and who are unaffected by um, you know status and unaffected by other status and just you know, but have a core beliefs and follow it and live it. And that that for me was uh, was really impressive. And just the fact that he made time for us today was was so cool. Well,
2: I think uh, what fuels that is uh, what I was getting at a few times with him was this. The sense of humility that being an astronaut you have to have, uh, and you know, in his book he he says it's life or death. There's there's no room for ego up there, um, when every second of your your time up there has to be as a cohesive team. Otherwise, you die, mm-hmm. and that's how he presents it. Mm-hmm. And um, training for that experience, uh, or even going back, getting accepted to even train to become an astronaut, you have to be that person at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm just talking from the book. Uh, if you're a hotshot, you might have all the skills in the world, be the best test pilot on earth, but have a real bad attitude, and does and you, and you don't know how to work in team environments. You're not going to become a good astronaut, and you won't. You will not be be picked as an astronaut. Right. So I, I I love that Andrew Tibby mentioned that in our last episode that all of these astronauts and cosmonauts just have this sense of purpose, sense of teamwork and humility, they will be the first person to lift up your bag. They'll be the first person to ask you your story. It's just really neat. It's eye-opening and it's inspiring. You know, the other thing
1: that was, uh, I really liked the question you asked and how you framed that question and connection and using the... You know being in you know and I learned something from you every day so actually this you know that actually I was like wow that was real well done very beautiful question and 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 uh, and being able to to use that you know that experience of, of being on a ship in the Caribbean and, and make the connection that was really cool man well done Thanks, um man. Um, and the question, so the question I didn't get to ask, or, or I guess I kind of a funny part of what <laughs> I, what, I loved how he talked about being Canadian, right? Yeah. And he, he poses, he goes, what's, what's, the, um, what's the fastest way to get 30 drunk Canadians out of a pool? And the answer is ask them to get out of the pool. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like this whole <laughs> Canadian thing, right? I wanted to get into that yeah. because it's, you know, for those, uh, for, for, for the listeners who are Canadian who are appreciate it, for those of you who have family or, or friends that are Canadians, you know, it's this, this, this very polite culture um, and it is so interesting um, that, you know, we kind of fall over, you know, like uh, the Canadian thing is you walk out and someone bumps into you and what do you say? You say to them, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Just... <laughs> <laughs> it just totally cracked me up when he, that, that part of it. But, there's, but, it's ni- but the other side of it is um, it's nice to see um, a Canadian not only have success, but then be comfortable enough in his own skin uh, to go out and write some books and go on a speaking tour. And you know what? It's not really the Canadian way. Because you know, I did hear some feedback from people who said, "Well, geez, why is he it costs a lot to go to this?" And you know, like like we're we're not comfortable with success in Canada the way we should be." And I think, well what? I don't have any issue with that. I think well, it's fabulous. Well, no,
2: let's just flip that around. And this this goes into the conversation with Tidby as well. And Commander Hatfield said it straight up. He was like, "These experiences have to happen, have to be shared to to actually share a, a much larger message, right? And that's, that's so worth it, you know? And, you know, just, uh, it's kind of neat as well, thinking, like, uh, with the rise of TED Talks and, uh, um, you know, pro- speaking programs like that, how many people are now paying concert ticket prices to see people of inspiration speak?
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: how many times have we gone to see, I mean, like that time we went to see, um, um, like Mayor Giuliani, for example, speak and uh, Donald Trump and, and Donald America Trump is, yeah. and uh, all these all these people, uh, <laughs> Kevin O'Leary, uh, <laughs> about a shout out to you, Christy O'Leary. Um, you know, it's it, it's amazing that we are hungry for the inspirations of other people who are living interesting experiences. And going back to the conversation we had with Andrew Tibby, is it's not. A selfish thing to share incredible experiences, things that are beautiful, mm-hmm. things that w- we know if we share this information or share the story, it's going to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is just kind of blowing my mind a little bit because I'm really starting to, to reshape the way I look at sharing information, sharing stories, mm-hmm. and also be just as strong a listener and pulling stories out of.
1: Yeah, you know, well, and I mean, and I guess this is this is this'll be defined by each person, right? But I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm sharing something of beauty, am I sharing it for personal gain or am I just trying to share something that's beautiful?
2: End of story. That's a great question for all of us ask ourselves and it's it, it's a good measure to keep ourselves in check cuz you know like yeah
1: and then and I don't cuz I personally don't want people you know and there's times you are, you are going to be promoting but I want to be more blatant about this is what's going on this workshop please come see it but I don't want you know for me my comfort level is I don't want to hide it and and wrap it up in something, something that's fake really, yeah, yeah and then 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 the intention is different right but if the intention is pure um, you know, that's where we we do stuff like this and assume people will listen. You know, and we could be sitting back. Well, who's gonna? Why would people listen to? Well, it's not really us; it's our guests. But you know what I mean. So, so, so that's something we all got to wrestle with. But there's a whole that whole Canadian element to bring it back to that. Um, it's just nice to see buck in the trend, um, getting out there. Um, you know, there's a bigger message, and being okay with that. Not everyone's going to totally agree with how you get the message out there. That's just the reality, right? As long as you know why Greg Hemings makes films as inspiring and inspired, and all these sorts of things, and um, and and there's there are going to be some critics, and that's okay
2: because not everyone's going to be happy. And it's it's funny that you bring up critics because I've always, um, uh, you know, I I I I, I maybe shouldn't do this, but I really try to avoid uh, critics and criticisms for the sake of criticisms. I really enjoy uh, listening to good uh, intellectual criticisms, but as Canadians I find that we are so quick to judge uh, and, and make uh, these snap judgments and, uh, and, and critiques that it feels like as soon as you try to do something really uh, earth-shaking that's going to change your community, as soon as you put yourself, especially in the Maritimes, Atlantic Canada, as soon as you put yourself out in a leadership role and put yourself out there, you will be knocked down. Your choice is to listen to that or ignore it mm-hmm. and, and keep flying forward because you know that the vision and your mission is so much bigger mm-hmm. than that small-mindedness. Mm-hmm. And uh, That's a real issue that we, we deal with in Atlantic Canada. Just look around. Anytime somebody steps out and tries to make a, a major move, the great thing is usually they're successful in making that move because you can make a lot of cool stuff happen here. But number two, you will have uh, critiques. It's interesting that our uh, interview with Commander Hatfield is taking us to this discussion. Uh, but well, that's, that's it, the great thing about these podcasts yeah. is it just makes our, you know. No,
1: I did, it was something I thought about and I and, and then I think there's some legitimate criticism of all, of all people and that's great. And um, But you know, to your point, we can't. Um, we we have to be aware of those those in, but we can't you know let it um, change our attitude, as was pointed out, right? You know, and this idea about you know have an attitude and and where what is where what is the direction? And guess what? Some things are going to get in the way, and some people aren't going to for very valid reasons. Not like what you do, and that's okay. And my God, in my my world, in our business, that's you know we've run into that all the time, as you would, right? So. Fabulous job, Matt! Uh, getting Commander Hadfield on, um, what a great guest! And um, you know, really helped us elevate in many ways um, this this podcast. And 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 I think you pointed out something, which is really great to hear his message. And and you you pointed out all our guests have great messages that at least we found mm-hmm. to date. So 100%. we want people to. Um, you know, tell us who else we should be interviewing and. And we actually should be setting some goals about, you know, who, what are some of the people that we really want to get on here and to talk to uh, maybe outside our sphere of influence or, or
2: outside of our, our, um, our network. I think we start in a good place. You know, we start in space. Yeah. Well, there <laughs> we go. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Yeah. Well, this is great. Um, just a reminder, pick up that book, um, Chris Hadfield's book. No, I haven't read his other book yet. Yeah, but he's got uh, a new one coming up too. Um, and uh, you can find him online. Just look up Chris Hadfield. Uh, Twitter, he's got over a million followers. Uh, he is just a kick-ass guy, you know. <laughs> One last thing: it's easy to uh, to think you know, celebrities are really awesome people because because we see that you know their facade. Going back to what you said, you can just tell when you hear his voice reading his own book. You can just tell he's an authentic guy, and I I love that, you know. And I'm making a judgment here. He's a he's a kick-ass guy, and I've been inspired by him. I've been inspired by this discussion. And looking forward to see uh, what stellar guests we have coming up next week. Awesome. See you later next week there, Dave. See you, buddy.
0: Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit HemmingsHouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, I'm Joel McLeod, co-host of the 905er podcast. The 905 is one of the most diverse and densely populated regions of Canada four and a half million of us live, work, and play in the area surrounding Toronto. That's more people in the 905 than actually live in Toronto. Each election, the 905 decides who forms our government at both the provincial and federal levels. So why isn't more attention being focused on us here in the 905? We're looking to change that. My co-host Roland Tanner and I Tell the stories that define what we are calling the most important region in Canada. Each week, we bring to your attention news, culture, and issues that make up what it means to be a 905er. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts, or you can visit us at
3: 905er.ca to subscribe.